is good. You have your Bibles this afternoon. Well, it's still this morning. Awesome. You have your Bibles this morning. <laughs> um, if you're wondering where the pastor's at, he's in St. Louis. Um, Brother um, Pearl is at a funeral over the weekend, so... Thank you, Brother Galan. You did an awesome job. It, it's good to be uh, to have reliable ministers that can just at the at the drop of a hat say, "Hey, we need some help." Amen. It's good that uh, it's good the pastor can get away, and uh, they're actually in St. Louis uh, with the Bible quizzing annual Bible quizzers meeting. So it's a good thing. <clears throat> And uh, I know if he was here, uh, he would rather be here behind this pulpit. But I'm thankful I get a chance again to uh, break some bread with us, all right? Is that okay? Will you help me preach today? It's been a while, but I think, uh, I think the Lord has got something uh, put on my heart and something I can share with, with us. Matthew, the 15th chapter verses 21 through 28 it's a familiar portion of scripture with Jesus meeting the Syrophoenician woman and we want to just look at her for a minute and then uh, look into something some uh, a simple word that uh, all of us use at times but it's times like this that we really need to use this when we look to the Lord amen Verse 21, then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. You know what she did when she said those words? She just recognized that he was the Messiah. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil, but he answered her not a word. Hmm. Have you ever prayed and didn't hear anything from God? <clears throat> didn't say a word. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. <laughs> Did she stop with just one request? She kept going, didn't she? But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So do me a favor. Don't ask anymore. I can't help you. He didn't say those words, but he kind of meant it, didn't he? I, I'm not sent for you. Here's the deal that Jesus kind of had to reach on the other side of Calvary and bring her something. Yeah. I am only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 25, then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. She said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Whew. I don't know what you need from God today. 
even if it's just a little crumb. It's here for you. How many have pets at home? You ever feed your dog scraps off the table? What happens is you just kind of throw it on the floor. Now, when the grandkids come by, the dogs love them because the food is really close to them then. And especially if they eat at the little tables and chairs, they just sit there and their head's right here on the table. You know, so. uh, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, I need some help? I need some help. Lord bless you. You may be seated. I need some help. Verse 25 is the one we want to pay attention to. It says, after all she'd gone through, after how she found out where Jesus was, after she had come and cried many times over, after she had been uh, asked not to, been told to be quiet, been told to get away, been told it's not your time yet, been told uh, I'm not come to your type of people, you're not Jewish, you're not from Israel, so I can't help you, so don't bother asking. How many has ever wrestled with something in your life and you just can't, you just can't overcome it? Somehow or another, it keeps creeping back in. Somehow or another, the devil keeps coming at you, whether it's a habit, whether it's something that you've been wrestling with for years, whether it's depression, whether it's even, I'll confess today, I can't stand any more of this negative news. I, I, I don't know what to do with it sometimes, but every day there's something new that's really damaging. And every time I hear things about inflation and about this and about sending money here and how corrupt everything is, I, I was a, a naive patriotic person. And I thought, nah, never going to happen to us. We're too good. <laughs> we got it too good in this country. That stuff's not going to happen. But you know what? It's crumbling right in front of us. So if the devil's ever come to you and say, see, and, and he hits you again with this same thing, and it comes back again, and the temptation comes back again, and the thing comes back again, and you don't know what to do, it's time to come to the Lord, and it's time to fall down and worship him and to ask, Lord, I need some help. Come on, Raj. I, I've been in this church all my life. You can guess how many years that is. <laughs> it's been a while, my hair. <laughs> I still need to cry to him and ask for help. Every day, I, I, I just, I've learned that I can't live without him. 
every time I get an opportunity to say, Lord, I need some help here, huh, he will come to our aid. In 1987, how many remember that year? <laughs> there were three young high-tech geeky guys came up with this kind of an idea that a wireless button could be worn around your neck and whenever needed, in case of an emergency, all you had to do is press this button. A single button would summon help right to where you're at. They called this marvelous thing Life Alert. And they had a fellow that was a spokesperson by the name of C. Everett Koop. I remember him. President Reagan's Surgeon General. C. Everett Koop. I thought, with a weird name like that, this guy's got to be some good. <laughs> now we have uh, commercials that say, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. You know how many of those batteries I change in a week because of the place that I work, of the, our residents, it's, it's a life safety thing. And the computer automatically tells us when the battery is weak. But you can't run out of power with that. You, you can't pick up a, a bad life alert, bat, uh, a dead battery, and try to push the button and get some help. Why does that have to do with us? Spiritually speaking, God's always full of power. All power is his. Spiritually speaking today, if you need help, all you have to do is call on that name. Spiritually speaking, we do have a Jesus button. We do have a life alert. We do have some help that we can get. What we have to do is push the button. All we've got to do is bend our knees and say, Lord, I need some help here. Help simply means to provide what is necessary to satisfy a need, to contribute strength or means to render assistance to, to save or to rescue. But along with that, there's another word called desire. And another one I can throw in there along with that, another D word called uh, desperation. Desperation has a voice. Your desperation voice is a little different than the one that says, please pass the butter. Your desperation voice is a little different when you get to church and you say, oh, we're just having service as usual. It's a desperation cry when it says, Lord, I can't leave here without your touch. It's different when you say, Lord, I've got to get an answer today. It's different than to say, Lord, I can't wait for the altar service. I want to raise my hands in your presence and get a touch right now because why? I'm desperate. I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I'm tired of wrestling with this thing every day. I'm tired of meeting the same old thing every day. I'm tired of hearing the news every day. God, I'm desperate. We need some help down here. Ha! was thinking of examples of people that are great examples of those that cry for help. And God has made us that way. It's not far into the 
book of Genesis, actually in the Garden of Eden, where God made Eve from Adam and he said, this is your help meet <laughs> that we can't go further in life too much without help. And I looked at infants. I actually experienced that since I'm a grandpa. I actually experienced some of that last night. <laughs> infants. There are examples of things or people that need help. They're either, I need my diaper changed, or I'm hungry, or somehow I'm hurting. And their cry will get you up out of bed. A mother is just like that when it hears an infant cry. I remember when uh, Philip was born. We're not, we're guys. We sleep like logs. I, I have bruises on my elbow constantly. I'm, uh, now it's probably turned into arthritis. Laying there and, you know, get up, it's your turn. Can't you hear that child crying? <laughs> Carrie does it. She's like, once the baby comes, a child will change everything. It's supposed to. We need each other. We need help. It's time to change the baby. It's time to take the baby because it's crying, and the cry will get its attention. Since I'm on family and since I'm on children, since we realize that God's made us this way, if we stay old enough, first of all, we're born needing help. That infant can't get up and fix bacon and eggs and some toast, do some brew the coffee. It's not supposed to do that. All it knows how to do is cry. So it needs help. It needs help being fed. It needs help being changed. It needs help moving around to grow. And if we live long enough, we'll find out that us senior citizens eventually, and I hopefully our kids are paying attention, the roles get reversed. So when I cry in the middle of the night, I've got a list. I may be hungry, and I may need my diaper change. But that's just the way life is, isn't it? So you realize that we need help. And there's nothing like having a church family to help us out. How, Raj, are we helping each other out? Here's how. You need help from God. You need help spiritually that God touches you. How you get help from us is we gather together and we voice our praise and we worship God. And the Bible says that where two or three are in are together in one place, he's going to be in our midst. And it's the worship that God inhabits, the praises of his people. And when we sing and when we worship, God's presence fills his house. That's how we help you get along. So it's up to you to cry out to God. We can get him here. We can get the atmosphere 
here, but you have to raise your voice. You have to raise your hand. You, my friend, have to use your mouth and your mind and say, Lord, I'm here. I need some help. That's how we help each other out. That's how we help each other out. I remember back in the 60s, I don't really remember what year it was, but um, please bear with me with my, my example here. My brother, my older brother, I don't have a younger brother. I'm, I'm it. I'm the baby. I, I need some help. <laughs> I don't know what, I, I guess my parents, it was a, I blame my brother because he's the one that asked. Back then, you could get your learner's permit at age 15. All you had to do is go down, take a written test, and get a slip of blue paper, I think. You, anyway, in Ohio, it was blue. And it said, here, officer, I'm a permit, but I have to have a licensed person sit in the front seat next to me while I'm driving around on a public highway. Well, the church parking lot was private. And it was gravel. I remember that because it was a scary situation. After church, us kids, when the, the parents were inside working the altars and worshiping and all that stuff, the kids, my, my brother said, well, I can practice, Dad, you know, moving back and forth and parking and all that kind of stuff. Okay, here's the keys. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> So the other guys were playing tag and stuff, and he happened to be chasing me, and I went inside when my brother was practicing in a 1963 Rambler Classic station wagon. Remember that? It was, it was tan colored, color of these walls here. And it was raining. I had white pants on. I had a white jacket on. And uh, the guy was chasing me, and the the station wagon, you could crank the back window down. It had a crank on it. So I ran out through the car, up, out, out through the back window, and I, I got caught. Somehow I fell. And I was behind the, the bumper underneath, and somehow my leg got stuck under the car, the trapped back up in the axle like this. See, I can bend that good. It's because it happened in the 60s <laughs> and my brother was going in reverse oh can we say desperation and if it wasn't for that guy that chased me that stuck his head out hey your brother's under the car I would have snapped me in half just like that Thank God. Nobody ever told my parents. They're gone. Can't tell them. I'm sure they know. How do I know? Because I had white on, remember? Oh, yeah. Watch. Lay down in the back of the station where I go to sleep so mom can't see you. And we drive home. Here was a crazy thing. When we drove home, Everybody got out of the car and went to the front door as normal. But they told me to go around the side door. What's wrong with your brother? He's going in the side door. Go down in the basement and get ready for bed. 
like mom's not going to see my clothes. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of held it over my brother for, for a while. But the example was a cry for help when it's desperate. What if I wouldn't have said anything? God only knows, amen? But we call for help and we realize that we just can't do anything about this anymore. It's a simple confession of need. We learn early that we have a great God and he can help us in anything that comes our way when we trust him. One of the two genders somehow has a problem asking for help. I won't tell you which one. Even with GPS, it's the male gender that statistics show on average men spend an extra 276 miles annually driving around lost because they will not ask for help. Guys, you believe that? That's horrible. <laughs> That's average. I'm a little better. I'm a little more than average when it comes to that one. So why do we not ask for help? Well, I I don't want to appear weak, especially not. I don't want to appear dumb. I don't want to be in debt to somebody else that says, hey, 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 you owe me. I helped you. And I surely don't want to be embarrassed. But here's the big one. I just don't want to give up control. Huh. I, 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 I'm too macho. I, my self-image is too much. I ain't going down that altar. I, I'm not walking down that aisle. I'm not going to cry and break my heart out in front of everybody on an altar. Well, that's what it's for. That's what we all came through. That's because we were desperate. That's because things were happening in our lives, and and I, we didn't know what to do about it, but we're so stubborn, we won't ask for help. We'll just go down with the ship. We'll just go down with the plane. We'll just burn up with it. That's crazy. Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in the time of trouble. How many believe that statement, that scripture to be true? He's a very present help. That means we don't have to do anything about the future with him. It's right now. That means that, oh, Lord, you did it in the past. Yeah, we'll praise you and give you faith. But if I don't call on your name right now, he's not going to be a very present help right now because I won't call on him. It's now that I need the help. It's now that I call on his name. It's now that I understand and have the faith to believe that no matter what it is, he's a big enough God to get me out of the situation to help me go through this. All I want is some help. The danger is what's going to happen if we don't get any help. How many's ever said somebody to people, well, man, you better get some help with that? 
we get in trouble at work if it's too big of a deal and it's too big of a lift and it's too too high with a ladder. We we get in serious trouble that if we don't ask for help. Ask for help. If we can't get any help, then the job doesn't get done. It gets put on hold somewhere until you can get help. Because what happens is if you don't get help, you're going to get injured. Something's going to happen. It's, it's not going to be good, especially if it has to deal with you and your emotions and your, your character and your lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. You've got to ask God to help you. But, Raj, he already knows everything. I understand he knows everything. I know that he knows where you're at. But he's waiting on you just like this lady with the Syrophoenician lady says, my daughter is vexed with the spirit of the devil, and she need, well, I need some help. But you're not, yeah, it's not ready yet. You know, you got to wait a few more years. Nah, that doesn't work with us. God, I need some help now. I don't know how it's going to come. I don't know which way it's going to come from. I don't know who's going to give you a message. I don't know what kind of a word God's going to give you. But if you ask for help, I know you'll get it. Come on and clap your hands and praise him. Yes, Lord. We need some help here. The danger is if we don't get help, my problem is going to really turn into a crisis. And then it's going to involve more people. Try not paying your payments for a while and see how big that help goes. Uh, you mean money help? Any kind of help. I, I don't know how, but God can help us. That's why I, 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 I get a little consolation from God to say no matter what comes our way, God's going to see us through it. Can you say that with me? No matter what comes our way, God's going to see us through. He promised he would do that, but you know what? I've got to ask. I've got to ask. I've got to ask. I don't get help with my habit, it turns into an addiction. If I don't get help with my sin, I get and turn into a backslidden condition and I'm separated from God and then I'm real in trouble. Because why? Because I can't deal with this. But I thought you were a macho guy. You can deal with anything. You're a tough man, yeah? Sometimes, but I'm not so smart that if I do not ask for help, I'm in trouble. The smart people say, I can't do this by myself. The smart person says, I need help with this ladder. The smart person, the crazy person says, ah, I can mess along, pick that up, no problem at all. Listen, I'm an old man, and when I pick up a six-foot step ladder, that's pretty much the limit. If it's 8 or 10 or 12, and sometimes it's 16, I got to get some help. Yeah, I could say, well, I used to wrestle this thing all day long, roll screen, do all kinds of stuff, you know, be a carpenter, get on the up there on the rafters and sleep. I can't do that anymore. I would really get injured, and then I would sit in bed, and then my wife would really give me one of those. I can't believe you didn't ask for help. I know that's just, that's just a common carnal example but it's spiritually with your life. And do you think for a moment that any 
anybody in here is so spiritually strong that they can put up with what this world's throwing at us without asking God for some kind of help? And I'm not talking about 5 or $6 a gallon gas. I'm not talking about a food short. I'm not talking about any kind of this stuff. Whatever they dish out, God can help us with it. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I do know that he's on the throne and he's watching over all of us. That's why I worship God. That's why I clap my hands when I come into his presence. That's why when I go through these doors, I'm in the house of God and I'm here to get some help. Ah. Ah. Pride will do its best to keep that fake smile on your face in public. Ain't nothing wrong with me. But when you go home at night and try to lay your head on your pillow and go to sleep, there's something bothering you. And God said, I'm here today to help you take care of that situation. Pride will help you keep that thinking that you've got this problem under control, but you really don't. Pride will say, you're not in any kind of condition to ask God for help, but I beg to differ with you. The devil will tell you that you're not worthy, but everybody's that way. We all started that way. None of us are worthy of the presence of God. But I'm so glad I'm in his presence. I'm so glad I've got the liberty to come down to an altar and say, God, I need some help. Uh, pride will really keep you in your shambles, and the stress is really going to get you. I, I don't know why I, I ended up with the job that I have, but I love it. And I'm not, people, there's opportunities there, but I don't want them. Because there's stuff, that there's baggage and there's burdens that comes along with, oh, well, now I'm the supervisor. Well, now I'm the manager again. I sleep good at night. Ugh. My blood pressure is good. I don't have a lot of worries. All I've got to do is worry about what you want me to do, Lord. Oh, my God, that's a whole lot of better. It's better to drive around my little golf cart and change air conditioning filters and do this and that and listen to music, listen to preaching, listen to things on my ears and worship the Lord. It's an awesome place. I, I didn't ask for it. It just kind of happened. But you know what? I'm glad it did. So pride will keep you in, in, in situations where you think you're doing good and you're not. And there's no shame because the devil will say, uh, he'll try to shame you into not doing anything with God. He'll try to shame you into say, see, it's your fault anyway. <laughs> I played that game a lot too. I know it's, it's, it's me. Remember that old song, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Oh my Lord, that's like in the, early 60s. I remember singing that. Back then, we would just, just start singing choruses. 
wasn't even in the hymnal. Everybody just kind of knew it. And we would sit there all night. Service started at 8, and we wouldn't get home till midnight, 1 o'clock. It just kept rolling. It just kept rolling. Why? Uh, yeah, we didn't have all the high-tech stuff as we have today. Sometimes our phones and our iPads can get in the way. But you know what? It's just you and Jesus anyway. <laughs> it's just you and Jesus anyway, and that's what matters. You got to love them more than the wife and the kids and all that stuff. It's, sometimes you got to separate yourself a little bit and get away with God. Yeah. It's hard to live two lives. It's hard to live like I'm a tough guy. Uh, it's just another service. Um, I, I, I felt the anointing and touch of God before, and I kind of shoved it off a little bit because I don't really want to uh, wrinkle my suit, or I don't really want to appear to be a, ba a big crybaby and stuff like that. And, I, I, you know, it's, it's fine. I grip the back. How many times have I, I I've gripped the back of pews and the back of chairs, and I said, no, I'm not going. No, I'm not going. I don't want to let me go. I, I need to get out of here. I need to exit stage left real fast because the convicting power of God is dealing. He's moving in here. Listen, listen to me. We can't help the world out there if we're not good ourselves. We can't be effective out there, and God's not going to bring people in here if we're not up to par here. Do you understand that? We've got to be the best that we can ever be, especially now, because God's going to do miracles, signs, and wonders in this church. I drove down this road today, and most of the cars in front of me were making a left and going into the next level. And I thought, and I looked at the parking lot, and I said, oh, my Lord. And then I pulled in here, and then I saw all our cars. But you know what? I felt something when I came here. Ooh, God's in this place. God's in this place. God's here to help. All you got to do is ask for it. Scripture says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways because I'm trying to do it all by myself. But God knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. You don't have to share that with somebody on Facebook, but you do. You don't have to share that with a text message to your friends, but you do. You don't tell them all about your situation, but you do. But you know what? What's crazy? We don't tell God. But yet we want him to do something about it. He understands, he knows, he sees all. But all he's waiting for is for you to be like this little Syrophoenician lady and say, Lord, help me. Sister Cheryl, I wrote this down, this message down, because I heard you last year. You would get up in the middle of the service and say, Lord, help, Lord, help. That's what you said. Help, Lord, help. I wrote that down in August of last year. And it's been all this time that I've added this here and there and this and there and this and there. And now I have an opportunity to share. 
Just what you've mentioned, just what you say. Help, Lord, help. We don't have to explain the whole thing. All we need to do is come up with these four little letter words. Help, Lord. Help me, Lord. And he'll come to your aid. He'll reach behind somewhere around Calvary somehow, and he'll pull something down for you, and he'll say, here's the help you need. I believe that. Help, Lord, help. Do you remember hearing her say that? What has happened to our country? Help, Lord, help. Genesis 50 and 20 says this. Remember the story of Joseph and his brothers tried to get rid of him. Make some money, sell him, got down into Egypt. If God wasn't involved in it, that little boy would have ended his life down in Egypt somewhere. And who knows what happened with the nation of Israel. But God's hand is in it. How many believe that? How many believe God's hand is in your life? It's a good thing to you know it's it, it's it's a good thing to to say that and to feel that and to watch it happen through your life and stuff. But then you get slapped in the face with things that come up and say, "How in the world are we going to deal with this?" But you know, you got to remember God's hands in your life. Verse 20 of the 50th chapter of Genesis, but as for you, you thought it evil against me. You want to do evil against us. You want to stop revival from happening. But as for you, devil, you want to put the squish on the church in Fort Myers. You want to make a miserable life for us so that we can give up on God. But I'm here to tell you that God's going to turn it around. Somehow God's got a hand on it. Somehow God's got it, and he's going to turn it into good and to bring to pass, as the Scripture says, into this day to save much people alive. Sometimes I take a little break and watch and see how this stuff's starting to crumble. And I know we need to take our beatings. I, I understand that. But I'm still trusting in the Lord. I'm still trusting in the Lord. Musicians, if you'd come, please. I'm going to end this uh, message here with a psalm. Psalms 121. There's only eight little verses. This is the second psalm of the, they're called the Psalms of Ascent. I don't know the exact Hebrew name for it, but they have a, they have a set call for these psalms. There's 15 of them. What does the Psalms of Ascent mean? Well, the Psalms of Ascent is when the uh, Jewish people, when Israel would travel three times a year to the feast, to celebrate the feast in Jerusalem. They were like uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is the Feast of the Passover, Feast of First Fruits, Feast of Tabernacles. Three times a year they would go. And, and the pilgrims, the, the people 
would sing these songs as they were traveling to Jerusalem. Now, as today's message, if, if you ever get a chance, and some of us are going, so taking advantage of getting to go to Israel here with Brother Hadaball over in Cooper City in uh, the end of November, and um, it's an amazing place to go. I'd go there tomorrow if I could, but uh, situations, I don't know. I'm still praying about it. That's another thing. said, help, Lord, I need some help. Anyway, that, that traveling that David did because his son was kicking him out of the city, if you go over there and you see it's a desert, it's a rough terrain. It's a horrible track to just go and move out of this. Jerusalem's in, in a kind of a bowl, and all of the good weather and stuff happens over the city of Jerusalem. wonder why that is. And, and all of the bad stuff happens on the outskirts of, of the, the, the mountains that are around Jerusalem. So when people were traveling there, they would have to go actually ascend up to the city of Jerusalem. That's why we're going up to the city. We're going up. And as they would travel for these feasts, they would sing these songs. There's, 12, there's 15 of them, as I said, Psalms 120 through 134. And, and a, another thing that history tells us that the priests and the Levites, as they would go up to the temple, there's 15 layers of steps that go up to the temple. And the, the Levites would go on one step and sing this song. Psalms 121 is President Reagan's favorite verse, the psalm. Here's what it says. And every time I read this, I end up singing a song that the Brooklyn Tabernacle does an awesome job of singing this song. It says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall not neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. To be translated into this, especially the first verse, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. Now, back then in Old Testament times when David was writing this, the, the, the place in Israel as a whole was overrun with pagan worship. So, st structurally, this is a statement, but then it goes with a question right after that. So when they would go to the hills and make all these pagan altars and everything, and they would say when they would look up to the hills, that's all they would see throughout there. All the stuff where man-made altars, man-made sacrifice, all that kind of stuff, where they think that that's going to work and to help them. It's a mess. 
You cannot get the help you need from the self-help portion of the bookstore. You cannot find it on the Internet that says, oh, well, I got to do this in order to get my help. It's not that way. It's not that way with God. That's why it says, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills, period. Question, from whence cometh my help? I'll look up to the hills and I'll see all this stuff and I'll say, where does my help come from? That's when it says, my help cometh from the Lord. Not the one that made the altar, not the one that has this, not the one that has that. He's got everything. The Lord that made heaven and earth. That's the one. In this Psalms, keeps or preserves is used six times in eight verses. Isn't that an awesome thing? If you want to know how God keeps you, read these ascending Psalms. I don't want to stay in the same place that I wanted. I don't want to live the same way that I live right now. I want to ascend up. I want to take a step up somewhere. I want to get closer to God. I want to understand that he's for me. I want to understand that no matter what's going on, if I ask for help, if I look to him for help, that's the only place that I'm going to get it when I look to him. My help comes from the Lord. Stand with me if you would. Psalms 109 and 26 says this, Help me, O Lord, my God. Save me according to thy mercy. You believe God's a merciful God? The Bible says his mercy is renewed every day. But, Rods, I, I, I really messed up. doesn't matter. All that can be put under the blood. All you got to do is repent. Lord, I'm sorry. Ask for help. He'll help you in your situation. Oh, no, my situation, it works too bad. I beg to differ with you. I'm a witness. Lord, I need some help here. I, can't, I just can't take my boss anymore. You know what happened? All of a sudden, he got transferred. <laughs> oh, that's just cool. No, I don't think so. That happened years ago. But the devil will tell you that you really messed up. And I, I, I've witnessed the people that says, no, I'm too bad. There's no sense in me going to church. I beg to differ with you. There is a sense. There is a reason for you to come into the house of God. Why? Because we as a body of believers are ascending up to the heavens. We are ascending up to the heavens. We're ascending up to a higher place in God, and I want to be involved in it. I want to go with a group. I want to go with a group of God's people. I want to rise with the kingdom because I don't want to stay down in this world anymore. I don't want to live in the lowlands. I don't want to be on the bottom rung of anything. I want to be on the top rung with God. And all I got to do is ask for help. Last scripture before I open this altar up to people that need some help. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know how difficult it is for you to go home. I don't know how you, what you face tomorrow at work. I have no idea. God does. Hosea 13 and 9. Oh, Israel, 
thou hast destroyed thyself. What? I didn't mean to, but I really messed up. Well, you, you've got to pay. You, you really messed up this time, Rod. You've really got to pay. doesn't matter. Listen, but in me is thine help. I need some help. If you need some help today, it's right here today. Come on. There's no sense going back home the way you came. There's no sense in trying to live that double life again and saying, oh, well, I'm a tough guy. I don't need God. Yes, we all need him. And you know what? It's better after God gets involved in your life. Why? Because all the stuff he'll protect you from, all the stuff that he'll preserve for you in your life, because I've chosen to ask for him for help. Won't you come? Come on, let's sing it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 